Hello and welcome to MedTalk's Superbug series. I'm Anthony Franchi. There is no denying health is complex and interconnected, and this is why the response to antimicrobial resistance should be too. The implementation of a One Health paradigm, which aims to improve prediction and prevention of emerging bacterial, viral and parasitic diseases that can spread between animals and humans, is critical. And this One Health approach for human and animal health practitioners needs to be about spanning life forms, disciplines and practices so that efforts are coordinated while solving these problems at both the micro and macro levels. Two guests join us today. Firstly, the Director of the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship and the Deputy Head of Infectious Diseases at Melbourne's Peter McCallum Cancer Centre, Professor Karen Thursky. Thanks for your time. Uh, Can I first ask about One Health? What is a One Health approach? We think about One Health as a concept that really recognises that the health of humans, animals and the environment are all interconnected. They're all unified so that actions in one area of our health can, it, can affect the other area of the health, other area of health. And why is a One Health approach so necessary? When we're looking at the problem of antimicrobial resistance and we know that there is a huge amount of antimicrobial use in the community, we estimate that 80% of our antimicrobials used um, in the community versus the hospitals and of total antimicrobial use, we know that a very high proportion is used in the in animal um, and livestock husbandry. We realise that there really needs to be a situation where we need to take a very coordinated and collaborative approach to understanding how we can improve the quality of antimicrobial use. We know that antimicrobials are necessary. We need them to treat infections and antibiotics really have changed how we look after our patients and enable us to do things like surgery and chemotherapy and that patients survive better. Similarly, we also know that animals get sick. There's no question that animals reared in intensive conditions such as pigs do get sick and they do need antibiotics. What is important though is any antibiotic that we use now and in the future needs to be used appropriately. And that's where all these activities such as antimicrobial stewardship, which is really about understanding what processes are required to monitor the appropriateness of use and the volume of use, infection prevention to help prevention of spread of resistance, um, and public health bodies need to understand the impact of resistance as well. So there are many, many players in this space of One Health, and I think the challenges really are that we face is how we're going to implement those things. So there, there are some challenges that uh, prove to be difficult in terms of communicating and collaborating across the multiple disciplines and practices. Absolutely. So in the Australian healthcare setting, we do have a somewhat fragmented healthcare system for humans. So we have aged care and general practice um, really being governed by the Commonwealth and hospitals being governed by the state. And so inherently, there are some challenges in ensuring that all our policies and procedures and practices are aligned between those two sectors. 
On the other hand, Australia really is world leading in terms of some of our practices, particularly with regard to excellent infection prevention practices, very high quality of safety of healthcare. And we have one of the most detailed um, antimicrobial accreditation frameworks, particularly in the hospitals, that is probably the envy of many of our colleagues around the world. What is missing, I think, is the data. Um, and the data, we require data. We need, to, we need data to understand what is happening, what is the impact on the resistance, what does changing antimicrobial use do to resistance. We do have some unsolved challenges and we need to be putting systems in place so that we can understand exactly what is happening in general practice, what is happening in aged care, what is happening in hospitals. And on the, on the other hand, we also need to be understanding what is happening in the animal sector. When we talk to our Australian um, vets and livestock industries, they are very proud of the Australian livestock industry because generally speaking, we have a very different way of bringing up animals in wide open spaces that the overall usage is estimated to be very, very low compared to um, many developing countries overseas. However, we still lack the sort of detail that we're able to talk about in terms of hospital antimicrobial usage where we can really pin down, okay, exactly how many patients have this particular antibiotic and what proportion of those are appropriate and in which conditions are antimicrobials um, prescribed less well. Um, this sort of detail is required for the antimicrobial stewards, infectious diseases specialists, um, vets, all these <laughs> specialists to understand what programs we need to put in place to improve the quality of our prescribing. And I think um, if we think about national antimicrobial resistance plans across the world, you know, one of the key tenets of that is that we need to ensure that we ensure that our antimicrobial use is judicious and that our care is good and patient care is safe, um, that we don't over-prescribe antibiotics due to fear, but that we prescribe them appropriately. And to do that, the challenge remains is that sometimes we do not have some of the um, structures and processes and clinical guidelines and clinical pathways in place to help our prescribers. Universally, when we talk to our vets and our prescribers and even our patients, most of them understand this issue now. I think the awareness is raised, um, particularly around appropriate antibiotic use. I think the challenges, as you say, about communication is what does this mean for antimicrobial resistance? Mm. The communication about antimicrobial resistance, well, that's a, that's a tough concept for people to understand. I think we need to completely reframe the conversation about what, what is antimicrobial resistance and focus much more on safe antibiotic use, patient and animal safety. How does this type of approach inform antibiotic usage and antimicrobial stewardship? The approach that we take is multi-multi-factorial, and it needs to be multidisciplinary. We need to engage all sectors of our healthcare. So we need to involve the government in terms of how it legislates and provides regulation. 
A terrific example just recently is that the government is moving to restrict the number of repeats that patients get with antibiotics, which is fantastic because in, in many cases, the GP software systems were set to repeat and there were unintended repeats being provided to patients, which just simply increases the number of prescriptions and antibiotics being dispensed out there. Then we need to think about our healthcare systems, our aged care homes and our hospitals um, and our general practices, where there needs to be some overarching policies and procedures to inform the prescribers about what is the right thing to do in terms of infection prevention and antimicrobial stewardship and hand hygiene to prevent transmission of resistance. All these elements are the same across, across our healthcare system. And then it comes down to the patients themselves. I think that we can definitely do better in how we communicate to our patients about why they need an antibiotic, why that particular antibiotic has been chosen, why they can have a narrow spectrum or in, in, a, in a very significant majority of cases why they don't need an antibiotic at all because what they likely have is a viral infection and the infection will resolve on its own. But that what do they do if they get sick? So this concept of drivers of prescribing is, is a major challenge. And when we talk to our veterinary colleagues, it's really no different. When they're taking their sick cat or dog into their veterinary clinic, um, obviously the owners are very anxious, um, the pets are precious, uh, there's often an expectation or demand that antibiotics are used. And in one particular example, which I find incredibly interesting, um, not being a cat owner myself, but cats obviously are quite difficult to give tablets to. Yes. And so there's been a very high level of injectable long-acting antibiotics in cats as opposed to dogs, which are obviously much more obedient <laughs> in taking tablets. <laughs> so, you know, that's a really interesting example of just simply... You know, <laughs> giving a uh, giving an injectable instead of a tablet of something which which should be restricted, and in paediatrics or in, with children, um, you know, having a paediatrician as a partner, I often hear about how difficult it is to actually make kids take medications which taste horrible, um, and so one of the medications very widely used in in paediatrics is kefalexin syrup, which tastes nice. Um, and kepalexin is one of the most anti overused antibiotics in Australia, both in hospitals, aged care, paediatrics. It's incredible how high the use is. And if you look at the Scandinavian experience, they, they, don't, they barely use it. They use narrow-spectrum penicillins and other narrow-spectrum antibiotics. So I think there are definitely some really interesting cultural differences between what happens here and overseas, um, you know, these things are very multifactorial. So we really need to be bringing in all sorts of people to to solve this wicked challenge, and that that includes bringing in our behavioural scientists, our advertising executives, our social scientists, um, and uh, public health modelling experts. All sorts of people need to come in and work together, and that's where I think we do need a really very coordinated and collaborative approach. Professor Karen Thursky, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much. University of Queensland School of Public Health's Associate Professor Simon Reid 
is a keen advocate of One Health approaches and joins us as well today. Welcome to you, Simon. Thank you, Anthony. Clearly, antimicrobial resistance has become a serious issue in both human and animal populations around the world. Have you seen solid progress anywhere in avoiding superbugs? Well, it's it's interesting that we're doing it in this interview in Australia because I think Australia is one place where there is uh, good evidence that a collaborative approach to tackling a, a problem like antimicrobial resistance is uh, achievable in terms of the outcomes. Uh, Australia for a very long time has had restrictions on the use of specific antibiotics in food producing animals. Uh, These are antibiotics that are very important for human clinical care and um, the regulatory authorities in Australia have, have limited the use of those antibiotics in food producing animals. A recent survey of food producing animals, uh, particularly cattle, showed very, very low rates of resistance uh, or even absence of resistance in uh, organisms in those animals to those antibiotics. So it does show that if you manage your stock of antibiotics well, uh, you can have an impact on the creation of resistant organisms within those animal populations. How do you define the One Health approach? Yeah, so this is somewhat tricky. and uh, <laughs> We'll do our best. <laughs> yeah, so, so picking up on uh, Karen's uh, description, Karen's description really uh, nicely discusses the, the need to recognise the movement between um, different compartments, different sectors of society, so animals, humans and the environment. And that was the founding sort of paradigm that that was uh, being approached with One Health and that is recognising the interconnectedness of of the world and um, what's interesting is that then if you consider how to uh, manage those then the One Health approach is really looking at how you achieve integration of policy and practice so that you can uh, work across these sectors to ensure that For example, uh, antibiotics of critical importance to human healthcare are not used in animals that are eaten within our um, food system. To achieve this, we we really need an approach where we have greater cooperation and collaboration. um, And, you know, that requires time and trust and, and structures. So the, um, the types of terminology we use when we discuss One Health approaches is, is uh, integration, collaboration, communication and cooperation. And so uh, really the aim is that everybody is working together to achieve um, outcomes that are not easy to achieve either on your own or effectively on your own. And so the Australian antimicrobial resistance strategy was a One Health strategy and it was achieved by a collaborative effort of um, a group of people really led by two uh, individuals who represented the the sort of um, the top I suppose of, of the medical chain the chief um, medical officer and the chief veterinary officer so that's the type of outcome that is that is really needed. Given that though what challenges do you believe that the One Health approach faces right now and I guess into the future? I think the biggest challenge is the compartmentalisation of our our entire society. We have 
big challenge is overcoming the silos that, that are created in terms of uh, government um, policies, uh, institutional um, boundaries, but also professional and disciplinary boundaries. So here we're talking about a, a myriad of, of different um, groups of people who all have different cultures. They have a different understanding of the problem and they have different um, drivers, different pressures on them to respond. A, a good example is, the, is, is literally human and animal health care. Um, most human health care is done within a, a government subsidised or government funded um, structure. There are different levers in that system compared to the um, veterinary system which is entirely private sector uh, where a private veterinarian is practising for profit. And given your public health background, would you say that doctors and veterinarians in the community are sufficiently aware of the consequences of antimicrobial resistance? I certainly think practitioners are well aware. Um, it's, it's, uh, there would be very few people who are unaware of the consequences and, and anybody uh, practising for any length of time will have um, attempted to manage cases of uh, either in animal health or human health where resistance is an issue. Uh, there, there certainly um, should be good awareness around the population level issues um, because antibiotics are an everyday um, tool for, for medicine. Uh, I think the, the challenge comes into the awareness of the solutions and, and the, I guess the capacity of different groups of people to actually uh, follow the, the sort of pathway to a solution. What more needs to be done for patients, uh, and in the case of animals, I guess, owners to understand why practitioners are less keen to prescribe antibiotics? In terms of um, patients, I think um, certainly veterinary practitioners and human health uh, clinicians have the same problems with the community's expectation around the provision of antibiotics and, and even the mechanism. You know, to some extent, I don't think that the average person understands the germ theory particularly well. And so, therefore, it's a long bow for them to try and understand resistance. And Karen discussed this quite nicely, the, the challenges that we have with the use of terminology. And to some extent, you know, there, there's a fear factor. People fear the outcome of not receiving treatment. So a lot of the, the work that needs to be done is, is really by behavioural scientists to help us understand how to motivate people uh, and also to, either, to provide really some of the tools that, that clinicians will need to support them in their decisions. And these probably come from you know, the policy-driven type tools. And, and the human health sector is good at this. Medicare is a really good um, mechanism for, for managing prescribing. Um, we really need something similar in, in the animal health sector. Are there any approaches on the horizon that, that might step up to take the place of overused antibiotics? I think there are. And I won't uh, I guess I'm, I'm not a clinician, a human health clinician, and Karen covered um, a lot of the approaches that are, that are being um, looked at now in terms of infection prevention and control and antimicrobial stewardship. I think in the animal health sector there's, um, there's a, a lot of activity and a lot of interest in, in, I guess, improving the game. 
And so there are um, programs for antimicrobial stewardship, which is a standard approach. But I think in livestock production, this is where we're starting to see some of the biggest shifts and, and led by some of the countries in Europe where we have um, a forced change occurring in some of the intensive animal industries like pigs and poultry, where um, the banning of use of antibiotics has then resulted in changes in the way animals are produced and these changes increase um, animal welfare they also increase um, the the productivity of those farms because um, they're actually managing them better so I think the future really for animal production is is quite good it's just managing it to make sure we don't lose the agricultural sector along the way. Simon Reid thanks for joining us today. You're welcome thank you.